Two weeks ago, uh, I was blessed to spend an amazing three and a half days in southern Indiana at the Bob Russell Mentoring Retreat. I signed up for this retreat in August last year, and it usually takes about a year and a half before you're chosen, your group is chosen to go. Uh, someone had backed out, and I was able to get in just a little bit early. It was, it was just absolutely the finest thing that I've ever experienced. I came away so blessed. It, it takes place at a, a place called Country Lake Retreat Center there in southern Indiana, about 30 miles north of Louisville on the back roads in Indiana, if you've ever been on those kind of roads. And you know me, uh, before I, long before I left on the trip, I plotted the course out on uh, my GPS, on the Waze app is what I use. And, and I didn't plot the quickest course, I plotted the prettiest course. So I wandered through Brown County and I kind of made my way around the forest and took some of those fun roads on the way. I, I figured out what time I needed to leave and then I left a little early so I could stop for lunch and kind of enjoy a few things here and there and visit with a few people while I was on my way. It took about three and a half hours, but when I finally arrived there, three and a half hours later, I arrived at Country Lake Retreat Center. I, I expected to see a retreat center. I really did. I had seen pictures of it on their website. There's this big, beautiful building. I expected I'd pull right up to it, but no, instead I pull into this parking lot, and instead of seeing a retreat center, I see a sign, and the sign says, no cars beyond this point. Well, that's a little strange, but okay, so I backed into a parking spot, I got out and I stretched my legs, and I thought, well, when are they going to come get me? And uh, so I called, I called, and no one answered the phone, so I left a voicemail. This is Brett, I'm here, you come get me. I waited, no one showed up. So I thought, maybe, maybe I'm not at the right spot. I pulled my iPad out and pulled up the map app and map app, and I stretched it out, and sure enough, I was about a mile short of where I was supposed to be, and I, I just was sitting there. No, no one was going to come get me, so I rerouted, and I, I accounted for that last mile, and pretty soon, I, I pulled up, and there it was. There was Country Lake Retreat Center. It's a big, beautiful facility that they have. I, I pulled up to that building and people greeted me. They said, Brett? And I said, yeah. And they said, oh, we've been waiting for you. And, and they, 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 these two little old, little man, a little woman, they, they grabbed my bags. And this little lady grabs my bag. I said, you can't carry that. She said, I'm carrying that. And there was no telling her not to do that. And they, they said, give us your keys. That scared me a little bit. But uh, they do valet parking. So they took my car and they, they, they went and valet parked my car. And and these two people, Birch and O'Neill, they, they grabbed my bags and they had my key and they said, come this way. And they led me out into the retreat center, took me back to my room, told me uh, all the things I'd need. And here's where the snacks are. Here's, you know, help yourself. And here's where you'll be staying. And you can get this and you can get that. And let us know if you need anything else. And to think, I spent three days, three and a half days, absolutely blessing my socks off. They were amazing people. But I could have missed it by a mile. <laughs> could have missed it by, by just one mile. I could have sat there in that, I could have been there three and a half days later in that parking lot. I, I probably would have caught on by then. But I could have sat there and said, well, nobody's come to get me. Uh, maybe it's been called off. Maybe, maybe I should just 
go back home. Can you imagine missing such a great blessing by such a small factor, by such a small measure? And yet, I think that's what we do way too often. We find ourselves on a path, a path of devotion to God. We find ourselves on a path of service, of devotion, of of living for Him, and we end up coming up just a little short. Maybe we get distracted. Maybe we get distracted. Maybe we wander off, or maybe we confuse real devotion for something less, something less than commitment, something less than what God has called us to. And so we never actually get from here to there. We get from here to a little closer. We get from here to a place where we feel better about ourselves, but we never get from here to there. We never get where we're supposed to be. That's a real danger. I think that's a real danger for us as as individuals. I think that's a real danger for us as a church. And it's a danger that we see in the story of the Exodus. There, There were two dangers on their journey, and I think those two dangers exist on our faith journey also. The first danger, well, it's, it's our fault because we tend to wander off. It's our fault because we, we tend to get distracted, we tend to lose focus, we tend to take our eyes off the goal, and we fail to enjoy God's blessing. That's the first danger. We may fail to enjoy God's blessing. But number two, too often we stop short of the goal. We don't commit to going all the way. Now, the passage we're looking at today occurs just before they enter the promised land. There is one last obstacle in their way to the place where they've been traveling for 40 years. Can they cross that last obstacle? It's actually in the book of Joshua. We're leaving Exodus behind. We're about 40 years later from where we were last week. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. I encourage you to follow along here in a moment. The, the trip is almost over for them. And in the same way, you know, we're still on our faith journey as well. What do we do as we prepare to move into the commitment and the calling that God has for us. Well, just like Joshua, just like the people of Israel, we receive the challenge to follow God no matter what and no matter where. You think about, think about all those car trips that you took with your family. You think about all those car trips with the kids sitting in the back. I don't think they'll let you do some of the stuff that we, you know, I remember laying on the, the back dash in the window. That had to be entertaining for the people, you know, behind. I remember riding in the, in the back seat of the, of the station wagon and uh, facing backwards, and if you crack that window, the fumes come right in, put you to sleep every time. Uh, I don't think they let you do that kind of stuff anymore. But what's the question that the kids would ask? You know the question. What's the question? Are we there yet? I kind of get the idea that Israel's been asking that question of their trip. Are we, are we there yet? Are we there yet? So much had changed. You know, a whole new generation. By the time we get to Joshua chapter 1, there's a whole new generation. All those people that we knew back in, back in Exodus 13 from about three weeks ago and Exodus 18 from from last week all those people are gone and and all that time that they've been wandering their parents kept telling them we're going to the promised land one of these days we're going to the promised land it's going to happen soon we're going to the promised land these kids all they've ever known is wandering 
Now they have a new leader. Moses is dead. And the question is, are we still going? Are we still going on the trip? Are we still going to make the trip? Where are we on our journey of faith? Are we going deeper and deeper into our commitment? Are we still making the trip? But I love the certainty that God puts at the beginning of a very uncertain situation. Joshua begins, chapter 1, verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, here's what God says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, the people, to the people of Israel. Do you hear it? Moses, my servant, is dead. And the next words out of God's mouth is not, you're done for. It's over. Forget it. Go back to Egypt. We're done. We're not going. Instead, immediately we have the word, therefore. So, what comes next is born directly out of Moses' death. Therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. And what God's saying is, it wasn't about Moses. And it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God's plan and His purpose for His people. The challenge for us is to follow. And it would be a challenge. It seems so close. There's just one, one little obstacle. Just one little obstacle. They had to cross the Jordan River. They get across that, they're done, right? Well, that particular time of year when they were making this journey, the Jordan is at flood stage. Normally, the Jordan is nice and peaceful and calm. You can practically wade across it, can't you? There's nothing much to it. But this was the time of year when the Jordan was not peaceful and calm. And yet, they were still going to make the trip. But you see, the challenge, the challenge is not the point. Obedience is the point. Too often we give up just because it's hard, don't we? We give up because it's, it's just too hard. It's too hard to follow. It's too hard to commit. It's too hard to, too hard to give. Too hard to serve. Too hard to get up on Sunday morning. You know, it's just too hard to do those things. So let's just wait. Somebody else will do it. Somebody else will give. Somebody else will help out. Someone else can do that. But the Jordan was only half the challenge. The other half was what they didn't know. Other than Joshua, the leader, and, and other than Caleb, <clears throat> no one else had ever been on the other side of the Jordan. No one else had ever made that trip. Joshua and Caleb, they were part of those 12 men that went to spy on Canaan. You remember? Ten were bad and two were good. You remember that, right? Joshua and Caleb were the only ones living who had been on the other side of the Jordan. And for 40 years, what had their parents told them? There's giants over there. We look like grasshoppers. and They look like giants to us the the boogeyman is on the other side of the jordan and, and he's gonna get you their parents told them stories of the giants and dangers and sometimes we're tempted to listen to those voices and those voices that warn us it's dangerous to follow god it's dangerous to to commit that much it's dangerous to get that close and we don't get a pass on following god because because of what's unknown. We don't get a pass on following God because of what's untamed. Instead, we keep our focus on the one that we're following. What's the challenge? What's the challenge for you? Is it a challenge of your time? Is it a challenge of your security? Is it a challenge of what will others think if I, if I commit this much? 
What's the challenge for us as a church? Is it the challenge of, we've never done this before. We've never given this much. We've never done this much before. But what's God say? God says, now, therefore, in view of the challenge ahead of you, now, therefore, arise and go over this, Jordan. Go over this challenge. Claim what I have already promised you. And you see, that's the other half of the call. It's not just about receiving the challenge. It's about recognizing God's commitment to us. You think about those kids in the back of the car. And you think about those trips. And it's funny, after a few years, you start to remember those fondly. In the moment, you probably don't think of them or trips with your husband as very, very fondly. But, but years later, you think of those trips fondly because it wasn't just about the destination. It was about the time that you spent together. And people tell me, I remember the trips that we took as a kid. I remember the games that we played. Alphabet game, you know, uh, license plate bingo, all these other games that, that, uh, that people played and the songs that they sang while they were traveling. The destination is just a small part of those trips. And that's, that's God's point here also. It's not about the destination. It's about the promise that carries you to the destination. Look at verses 3 through 5. God says, Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Moses was gone. But God's promise was not gone. God wasn't gone. And that's, that's what God wasn't gone. That's what God is reminding Joshua of here. For 40 years, Joshua has been Moses' right-hand man. I mean, even literally his right-hand man. He's been working with Moses. He's been studying with Moses. He's been learning under Moses, learning the law, learning how to lead the people. Now suddenly Moses is gone and Joshua is prepared, but Joshua is also 80 years old. <laughs> is he up to the challenge? Is he, is he able to do this? And what God is saying to, to Joshua is it, it wasn't about Moses. It's about me. It's about my commitment to you. God is saying, you can accept the challenge because I've committed myself to you. So two weeks ago, I got to spend three and a half days with, with Bob Russell. Uh, some of you may not be familiar with Bob. Most of you are probably not familiar with Bob. Bob is the retired preacher at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. When Bob came to Louisville in 1966, Southeast Christian Church was a small church plant that was meeting in the basement of a house. They had 120 people meeting in the basement of a house, 1966. When he retired in 2006, it had grown to 18,000 people. Still meeting in the basement of that house. It was No. They, they built a couple of new buildings. This is the, the building that's currently there, Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. Bob Bob resigned, that's the auditorium, Bob resigned in 2006. And you know, when Bob, when Bob retired, there were those who said, the church is going to fail. 
They've built all this, and, and now with Bob gone, it's just going to fail. It's going to tank because people are here because they love Bob. The reality is, 10 years later, Southeast Christian Church is running 24,000 people. Every Sunday, 24,000 people will come to their many services that they have on the, on the weekends. And, and the reason that happened, the reason it kept growing, was because Bob did what Moses did. Bob put people in place to share the leadership long before it was time for him to retire. We've seen the mistake before. We've seen the mistake of people coming just because the preacher. And, and the preacher leaves and, and the people leave because they never connected with the community. They never connected with the church. And you know, it, it's not always about the preacher. Uh, I know better than that. It's, it's not always about the preachers. Sometimes it's about the people. Sometimes it's about, well, that's where my, my friends are. Or, the, or sometimes it's about the programs. We love the pro. Sometimes it's even about the music. Well, we, we love this kind of music instead of that kind of music. But the question... The question for us isn't, what do we do to keep people from leaving? The question is, what are we asking them to follow? What is it that we're asking people to follow? Are we really asking them to follow God, or are we asking them to follow a man? Are we asking them to follow God, or is it a program? Is it the music? And if we're not asking them to follow God, then what promise do we have for them if we're not asking them to follow God? I love verse no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life just as I was with Moses so I will be with you I will not leave you or forsake you I don't know a church program that can make that promise so so we don't want to ask people to commit to a church program we want to ask them to commit to God I don't know a preacher that can make that promise I don't know a type of music that can make that promise we have to ask them to commit to God. If we don't, what, what promise is there? That promise comes with a requirement on our part. See, it isn't, it isn't Joshua's plan. It's God's plan. God is making the promises. And so the call for us is to respect God's commands as we look to His promises. There's a command here in this passage that is repeated three times. The command is, be strong and courageous. If God had said that once, if God had said one time, be strong and courageous, we would have thought, well, that, that might be important. If he had said, be strong and courageous two times, we would have listened and we thought, you know, I need to pay attention to that. But he says it three times. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. It sounds to me like it's important. It sounds to me like we ought to really pay attention to that. Beginning there in verse 6. God says, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from the, to it from the right hand or to the left hand you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Strong and courageous. By itself, that's, that's inspiring. I mean, strong and courageous. I, I can hear a coach 
you know, telling his team that. You know, I, I can hear a, a drill sergeant telling his, telling his men to, to be strong and courageous. You can, you can hear that. But, but I want you to notice what it's accompanied with. There in verse 7, be careful to do all, to do according to all that the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from, to it from, from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Be careful to do all that the law commands you. And then verse 8, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. When we take that call to obedience, be strong and courageous, uh, we take that call to obedience to the word with the call to be strong and courageous. What do we get? Look at verse 9. This is what we get. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You and I, this, this church, has what some would call a, a high view of Scripture. I don't know if you've noticed, but we, we tend to stress this book quite a bit, don't we? And we talk about this book. We, we go back to this book a lot. We have a high view of Scripture. We take this to be God's inspired Word, and we take it seriously. To the point that there are probably some out there who would call us narrow-minded because we rely on this book. There are some that would call us narrow-minded. There are some who would call us backwards because of the way that we view this book. But we believe this to be the Word of God. It demands our respect. It demands our obedience. It, it demands that we pay attention to it. Just as, just as God calls to Joshua here and the people here in this passage. Now, th there are other churches. There are other Christians who do not take quite that high a view of Scripture. There are some who believe this is just a, a nice book, that it, it has a lot of good ideas, but they, they do not believe that it's inspired. There are others who believe that it's just a good book, but it's certainly not the Word of God. It's just simply a collection of stories that, if read correctly, will probably guide you in some good ways. And, and there are nice little moral lessons in here. We don't agree with that. We love those people, though, and we, we pray for them. We pray we pray for them a lot. There was an article recently on a website called The Guardian. It's a website from uh, England. It's a, it's a British website. Now, you know, in England today, well, Sunday morning in England, only about 5% of the population goes to church. You know that? Only about 5% of people in the United Kingdom are going to be in church. There was an article recently from this, this website, The Guardian, and the article indicated that churches that take a high view of Scripture, churches that have a high view of Scripture, that take Scripture seriously, those churches are actually growing. Those churches are growing. More and more people are going to churches that have a high view of Scripture. And churches that have a lower view of Scripture, that simply take it as some nice stories, but they certainly don't focus on it, they, they don't concentrate on it, those churches are actually dying. And, and the question in the article was, why? 
You know, it's not written from a Christian perspective, but the question was, why? why? Why would this be true? Why would people go to churches where they focus on this dusty old book? Why would they consider that to be important? And I think the answer is there in verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. I'm not going to take a vote or anything, but personally, I think we ought to continue talking about the Bible. <laughs> I think we ought to continue to emphasize the Bible. I think we ought to emphasize preaching and teaching and, and Bible study and, and emphasize the promises that God gives us when we do those things. God told Joshua that he was to obey the law. Moses was gone. But the law remained. If we're going to have victory in our lives, if we're going to have victory in our church, obedience is not optional. You know, that's, that's one of the reasons why this year, in the last quarter of this year, we've concentrated a lot about, on giving. We've, we've seen God's call to tithe. We've, saw, we've seen God's call to, to give and, and to share. It's very important. That's why your elders have, have, have made this commitment that next year we're giving, we are tithing out of the general fund into the missions that this church supports because we feel like that is a call to obedience that we cannot ignore. And I want to remind you again, I quoted this last week. I'll quote it again. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. John says that God's commands are not burdensome. They're not heavy. They're not a burden. Why, why are His commands not burdensome? Because He created you and I. He created us as individuals. He created us as a church to obey His commands. And He promises blessings when we do so. This month, we've been asking for your commitment to the missions that we support, to spreading the gospel in this world. I, I love what that video showed earlier about the hope that we're bringing to this world. Just one little light. Kansas Christian Church is just one little light bringing that hope, spreading that hope. Uh, so we, we make these commitments. We, sometimes we call it a faith promise. I, I've, never really been, I've never really been comfortable with the term faith promise promise uh, because we, we I don't think we completely understand what that is. Faith promise means that we are giving based on our faith. On our faith in what we believe that God can do through us and, and for us and uh, what God will do as we give. But is that really what we do? I, I think far too often what faith promise becomes is you and I sit there and think, well, what can I afford to miss this year? <laughs> what can I give up this year so that I can give to missions. What, what can I afford to miss this year? Uh, faith promise means I'm making this commitment on faith. That's what it's supposed to mean. I'm trusting that God will provide. Faith promise ought to mean I'm going to make this commitment and then I'm going to watch. And I'm going to see what God provides in the coming year. If there's a bonus here, if there's another opportunity here, if there's an increase in my, in my income here, I'm going to watch for those things that God brings my way. And I'm going to understand that God is rewarding me based on the faith that I have given Him and my commitment to give. Now the second half of chapter 1 here is Joshua's call on the people of Israel. What we've read is God's call to Joshua. Then Joshua turns and he gives the call to the people of Israel. He takes what God has just given him, 
gives it to them. And I want you to look at their response. If you go on down to verses 16 through 18. And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us, we shall do. We will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. And then what do they tell Joshua? Only be strong and courageous. They understood. They caught it. Their hope wasn't on this side of the Jordan. It was on the other side of the Jordan. And they would do whatever it took to get there, to get to their hope. That's the call for us. That's the call that's facing you. It's the call that's facing your family. That's the call that's facing our church. Whatever the challenge we're facing, whatever obstacle seems to be in our way, we're going to follow. We're going to continue. We're going to be strong and courageous. Getting from here to there means never giving up in our pursuit of God. Now, you take that name Joshua and you go forward about a thousand years, and you mix in some Greek language, and you mix in some Roman customs, and the name Joshua is transformed, and it becomes the name Jesus. The name means God is salvation. Actually, you have to to scream it. You have to yell it. The name means Jehovah saves. That's what the, the name Joshua means. That's what the name Jesus means. Jehovah saves. And if Joshua, the military, if Joshua, the 80-year-old military commander in the Old Testament, who lived and died and is buried somewhere, if Joshua, the military commander, can say to his people, be strong and courageous, then what can Jesus, who lived and died and lives again, lives in you, what can Jesus do for you? He can give you strength. He can give you the courage to face whatever the obstacle. Your Lord and Savior can make you strong and courageous and give you the ability to stand firm no matter what the challenge is ahead. The kids would ask, are we there yet? (laughs) Maybe they're asking, is he done yet? Well, we're not there yet. That's not the real question. The question is, Is Jesus with us? Well, yes. Maybe the question is, are we with him? Never give up in your pursuit of God. Never give up in his commands. Never give up in his challenge on your life or in the challenge on this church. Just be strong and courageous. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, we've heard your call to go from here to there, from where we find ourselves to today to a place of deeper commitment and greater effectiveness in our faith and in our giving. We thank you for the missions that we support, which carry that light and carry your word into our world. We thank you for the opportunities that we have to partner with them in the most important task in the world, the the spreading of the gospel of, of your son, Jesus Christ. And in so many ways, we've We've heard your call to be strong and courageous. 
And in your call to follow, as the people of Israel followed that pillar of fire by night and that pillar of cloud by day, let us seek to follow you wherever you lead. And in your call for us to serve together, just as Moses and the elders served together in the land, let us commit to sharing the burden that we might endure together and go our way in peace. And your call today, like Joshua, to be strong and courageous and to seek you wholeheartedly and to hold to your word. We commit to this, knowing that long before we had an opportunity to commit to you, you committed to us. That before we could ever give ourselves to you, you gave us your son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.